Science. Hello by the Cat Empire and you're listening to uh, Love and Science with me, Malcolm Love, and I'm joined uh, as usual by Andrew Glester and Josh Warren and uh, by Lucy McGowan who uh, likes to visit us at least once a month. It's great to have you with <laughs> us, Lucy, uh, on, on the show. Um, have you, did you have a good Easter? Yeah, um, I was actually working a little bit because uh, I'm going going away next. My family are coming to visit next week, so I end up working a bit. But it was lovely. So you had to go because you just remind us what you do because we know you're a researcher. What do I do? You're, you're... <laughs> um, that's a good question. I uh, I'm working in a bone research lab, so we work on osteoarthritis and osteoporosis. Um, and I've got a, a conference coming up next week, so I'm trying to get things ready for that. There's quite a bit going on at the moment. Mm. Um, so yeah. to put in a bit of time to get it get it get it all organised. Yeah. Now I, I know as well something else about you. In fact, you you told us this when you first came <laughs> on the show is that is that you are working for Pint of Science. So um, you've been you've been you've been organising that. Yeah. So well, I've been kind of overseeing many many people who are organizing it yet. yes so uh, that's, that's it's about right. 30 different volunteers yeah. that are volunteering i love your title um, you're like city organizer or something it's, like it's called yeah city, coordinator, coordinator. Like city bristol coordinator so i want to yeah. know, you know <laughs> in bristol all about all the roadworks around about temple meads if you're the city coordinator what are you doing about it or have i misunderstood you yeah 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 just just <laughs> science stuff not the uh all <laughs> oh, right not roadworks tell us uh, t- tell us what's happening with uh, pint of science then um, and, uh... so events uh, in bristol have uh, went on sale a few weeks ago and largely they've sold out really really quickly so that's really nice to hear that so many people in bristol um are coming to our events uh, so it's a volunteer run um festival where we bring local scientists into local pubs and uh, another part of part of science is creative reactions so there uh, that's an exhibition which is running for a full month so from the 2nd of may which is this week this thursday there's going to be a big launch at north street gallery um, and that's free and it starts at uh, i think it's seven or let me get my notes right yeah it's six six thirty till 10 p.m there's gonna be lots of free prosecco and beer and face painting and scientists and artists um, and lots of cool artwork for you to look at and that exhibition's going to be running from the 2nd of May um, up until the 19th of May at North Street Gallery in the south of the river. And then from the uh, 20th of May, there'll be another launch at the island in the centre of Bristol, and that'll be running until 1st of June. Um, so all these events are free, and if you want to find out more about them, you can just find uh, Creative Reactions on the Pine of Science website, um, or you can search Creative Reactions Bristol on uh, Facebook or Google, or whatever, and all the Bristol events. Okay, come and just to get it clear, Pint of Science is this big thing which happens all over the place, and Creative Reactions is a part of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's an art exhibition. It's an art yeah. science collaboration. So yeah. most of Pint of Science is where scientists come to pubs and give little talks about their research, whereas Creative Reactions is um, where you pair artists with scientists in the local community, and the artists will then create a, an exhibit based on the scientists' uh, research, and that will be displayed at the exhibition. So there's going to be lots of different kinds of artists, performance artists, uh, sculptors, um, you know, painted... Yeah. Painted painters, there, yeah, paintings, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, loads of different kinds of artwork and loads of different kinds of uh, scientists. Okay, uh, I think I'm pretty sure that we. I, I know we've got creative reactions coming out. I think it's next week. 
uh, on the show. So that yes, was, they'll that, probably that tell you a lot good. more about it than yeah, me. Yeah, tell us a bit slightly more. Slightly so, misinformed, they're, they're, <laughs> well, they're underprepared, maybe. Yeah, but they've got all the all of the uh, yeah. information you need. But yeah, you could just Google Creative Reactions Bristol, and you'll find all of their events. And most of them are free. Well, all of them are free, I think. That's brilliant. Oh, thanks, Lucy, for that. And uh, Andrew, busy Easter? Uh, uh, yes, I was spending most of Easter getting excited about black holes. Oh, yes. In fact, we're going to hear uh, an interview you did, I did. about black holes yep. uh, quite soon in the show. Yeah, yeah, later on in the show, yeah. uh, we'll hear from Monica Mosky-Brodska, oh. who is uh, one of the scientists involved in that amazing image of the black hole in yeah. 87 that we saw. And I wasn't here the week that that happened. No, so I but Josh I'd and I... I were. Yeah, I know. You covered it very well. We did. But I, I'm still <laughs> excited about it two weeks later. So, yeah, no, it's great. No, it's really good. It's really good. And yeah. uh, no, it's, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge thing, a black hole. But it's also <laughs> a, huge, a very important scientific event. So yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. And Josh, how are you? I'm well, w- thank working you. Working hard? Yeah. Uh, yeah, always, always working hard. Um, I had a nice Easter last week, yeah. Oh, I, good. Uh, I, th- there's a... I was going my neck, you preempted my question, did <laughs> ah, you get a break? I did, yes. Yeah. So well, there's, a, there's a tradition we have in our family where we have a, like a treasure hunt every Easter. Not so much like an egg hunt, but... I was like, say, yeah. yeah, but um, my granddad writes these little clues about oh, stuff cool. around the house, and we all have to run around and, and gather up these letters and make an anagram at the end, and it's all uh, a big competition in my family. But Is my, it things like, can you fix the loose seat? <laughs> You know, and all that kind of gets everybody to go. <laughs> Just get all the chores done. Yeah, yeah. Get, get things sorted around the house. No, but my, uh, my my brother beat me this year, so and he's been. I think he's the reigning champ for a couple of years now. So I'm going to have to get him next year. Oh, we do we do an egg hunt. And uh, my partner Becky, she writes clues and things, and we all run around the house and look, look, look for eggs and things. Um, she, in fact, she picked a really bad time to do this, maybe or maybe a good time. Uh, she has given up sugar oh. for April, and then realised that Easter was right mm. in the middle of it. That is not. So she was crying. Oh, how, how does she how know d- where the uh, bunnies put the eggs to make the clues? Well, that's a very, very good point. But I, I can only assume that she collaborates with the Easter Bunny. Oh, that makes sense. And it, that, that explains everything, really. Yeah. <laughs> so let, we ought to do some uh, science. <laughs> <laughs> Say that work every stop, day. <laughs> stop going on about the Easter Bunny for a moment. Stop drinking coffee and do some science. Stop drinking coffee and do some science. And uh, so in the news, because, as you know, we look at science in the news and behind the news, um, one of the top stories, and I have to admit, there are a few grim stories around at the moment because, quite rightly, we're focused on uh, climate change. We should be focused on climate change, I think, a lot more than we are. Um, But it has given rise to a number of uh, rather depressing stories. But, you know, if they make us act, then that's very, very important. Um, There's a major report coming out uh, designed to um, highlight uh, natural and uh, human uh, emergencies associated, really, with the uh, ecosystem and uh, biodiversity. Uh, Scientists and government officials meet this week in Paris to finalise a key assessment on humanity's relationship with nature. The Intergovernmental Panel for Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services is going to issue the first report of its 
of its kind since 2005, and it's going to detail the past losses and future prospects for nature and humans. Um, one of the authors says the report is going to highlight the social and ecological emergency that the world is now facing. And from Monday, some of the world's leading researchers in the field of biodiversity will meet in the French capital in Paris to work through the details of their report with representatives from 132 governments. Um, so they're going to see uh, the summary for policy makers and it's going to be published uh, for everyone to see on the 6th of May. And I was wondering, uh, my, I don't know what, team, panel, <laughs> your thoughts on this. We, we ought to say, and I think Lucy's probably the, the, the go-to person here, what exactly is biodiversity? We talk about this all the time. I know it's short for biological diversity. Yeah. But what is it and why does it matter? Yeah, it sounds like quite a self-inspiratory word, but um, I guess it's it's the number of species in a given environment and the kind of health of those species, how they are interacting, um, also the genetic diversity within those species. So if you've got a very small number of one species, then the, uh, kind of there's going to be a lot of inbreeding, there's less genetic variation there. Um, so it's kind of the genetic and kind of overall health of a population of different species and of plants and animals in a right. given environment. So it's a, a very good principle, which seems like common sense, I suppose, but we should say it's a good principle that the larger the population the better yeah and when populations of any creature become too small yeah you get genetic bottlenecks which is essentially the gene pool becomes quite restricted obviously they only right. interbreed between members of their own species and then you you know become more susceptible to different diseases right. um and extinction and loss of habitat and you get you know if, if your habitat is fragmented you get lots of little small populations that can't interbreed and then those are more susceptible to yeah. um, dying off and becoming extinct and then of course if you've got a complex food chain um you don't mind at least on like one species out of however many thousands in a given environment but if that's a really crucial uh, species then it all kind of comes tumbling down uh, one after the other so having good biodiversity is really key to keeping your ecosystem nice and healthy and happy and also for humans as well for uh, yes. growing crops if you have monocultures like the potato famine in Ireland uh, that yes. was because they had a monoculture that just grew one kind of crop and then when the uh, disease came in it killed everything off and there was no food so it's really important to, to have that variety there was uh, I think we did a story here on, on, on uh, Love and Science where we were looking at uh, bananas you know the, the uh, banana crops and, and apparently we rely on two types of banana or I mean of, we eat only mm. two kinds of banana, and uh, apparently they are very vulnerable now yeah. uh, to disease. So uh, there's all kinds of uh, activities taking place to try and uh, increase the biodiversity. Yeah, and that's because you know the, the lack of genetic variety within certain species. They don't yeah. adapt very well to new viruses or yeah. bacteria coming in that attack them, and then they kind of all die at once because there's no time for them to evolve any sort of immunity to that. Yeah. So, so I'm guessing, guys, that the, the report that's going to come out is going to say some fairly grim <laughs> things about mm. uh, uh, what we humans have been busy doing to the planet. What do you What do you think the value of a report like this is? Because there must be lots of people. I mean, uh, partly I feel like one of them. I'm. I, I think this is incredibly important stuff. But part of me thinks I don't know what to do about this. Mm. I just feel grim about it. Mm. 
What it's do you, what do you I think? I, it's a funny. There's a, in the BBC story actually. It's, uh, there's a discussion about whether uh, scientists should be in, uh, telling politicians what to do, what their what their policies should be, and. Um, I, I mean, it seems obvious in this case that, of course, they should. You know, it, to me, to my mind, anyway, then scientists should be uh, not only informing them in terms of what the science says, but what we can do about it. Yes. So, in, yes, in, intrinsically, course. in that, the policy making has to be uh, guided by the science. So, that seems to be a very key uh, potential of a report like this. If they don't pull the punches on that, and they do. You know, go go to the steps that need to be taken to to for because it's the governments who can make the difference on this. You know, and yes, so that, that's who we need to inform. But whether they will listen or whether mm. the, the the report will say it is another question. Really. Yes. It's well timed though with all of the you know the climate, the uh, extinction rebellion and Greta Thunberg and stuff. All of that yes. stuff is becoming. Well, politicians are actually they're saying they're starting to listen now. So. If they're then presented with an opportunity to listen, then this will prove whether they are listening to you know all these protesters. Yes. you need to you need to do something about climate change or environmental damage. So this I is a nice a, test for them. I saw a petition the other day where they were saying um, to Michael Gove, you know, he, he said yes, we've got the message, and they said no, we don't think you have. <laughs> and then there's this huge petition <laughs> gone out to say, okay, so this is what you need to do then. Yeah, um, because there's a danger that they just go. Well, do you, you? Yes, thank you. Please stop shouting at us. Yeah, and please stop. You know, being disruptive. Uh, we've got the message. Whereas, you actually need to see. It needs to go into policy. That, that yeah, it needs to go into policy, and these are the things we are going to do, and this is when we are going to uh, do it by. Yeah, I Bristol University have um, joined Bristol City Council as of as. as in claiming a, or declaring yeah. a climate <laughs> emergency. I don't really know what that means. I don't know what that means. It's no. kind of saying, yes, we support, but what are you actually doing? You know, mm. these big organisations yes. and these yes. whole cities and the whole countries have the power to collectively do stuff, but just saying we're in an emergency. Yes. Is there a plan for that emergency or is it just... You, you, I think you're, you're... I mean, we, we don't know. We should, we, we should ask them about that. But, but um, of course, there are all kinds of things that, that go on in response to this. And you've really got to keep your eyes open, haven't you? Your ears, your ears open. Um, you, you, presumably, you're all familiar with this thing called greenwashing. Uh, which no. is when uh, uh, yeah <laughs> tell us <laughs> uh, so so the idea is that uh, you you'll see it any number of adverts on on tv you'll see this rather um uh pastoral music or something playing and then somebody will say we care about the environment we know that you worry about your children growing up in a healthy environment blah 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 it turns out to be an insurance company okay. or um you know a toothpaste advert or something like that and there's a kind of tokenism that go basically says, oh we understand you're all worrying about the environment mm. this is how we kind of tag our products to mm. that mm. Um, and one has to be very careful uh, about all this kind of thing because it, it gives you the impression that stuff is being done mm. when it isn't, or the right stuff isn't being done. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, uh, declaring um, uh, climate emergencies and things is it, it, you have to look at the policy. That's what we're saying. Yeah. You have to look at what they're actually doing. So, you know, if there's a government in power, look at what they've done for the climate and see whether it's a good or a bad thing. And then you, the only way you can affect change then is to vote accordingly. Yeah.
Yeah, fair enough. And uh, we are uh, talking about science in the news and behind the news. As Andrew said uh, near the uh, top of the show, uh, that uh, he's done an interview this week all about the black hole, which was big, exciting news uh, the last time we did the show, just before uh, Easter. And, of course, it is a very big uh, uh, scientific event, isn't it? Mm, yeah, no, it is. Big event for humans. Yeah, yeah. No, it's an incredible... Um, well, it's an image, isn't it? It's yeah. A, it's an image. A photograph? Is it a photograph? I suppose it is, because well, photo it, means light, and it is light in a way that's... Yeah. Of, it's kind of a, a computer reconstruction, yeah, we have to say. Yeah, it's like it? different... Was it radiation? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Well, I've got a feeling it's it was radio waves, wasn't it? Oh, OK. As opposed yeah. to light. I'm okay. not sure, though. That would, yeah. be, that would be worth checking up on, but I yeah. think it was radio waves coming from the... Uh, superheated gas orbiting the black hole, which is yeah. the orange ring you get yeah. uh, on the image. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, so I spoke to uh, Monica Mosky-Brodska, who is, if you saw the announcement that they made, the first person that they came to after the announcement, the first scientist that they came to, was Monica. She's a theoretical uh, physicist. She has been modelling what uh, a black hole might look like if we observed it in this way uh, for many years. And so when I had the chance to speak to her, I uh, began by asking her how it felt to finally see the image as it came through. You know, it's like uh, a little bit like this eureka moment. <laughs> yeah. So, so the one very surprising thing, and, you know, it's mind-blowing for me as a theorist, is that this image appeared just exactly how we imagined, yeah. uh, just exactly how our best theory predicted it to, to, to look like. You know, so it was like, wow, moment, incredible, sort of like a surprise, but some kind of euphoria, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that not only it's there, but it also looks like exactly like we imagined it should look like. Yeah, so definitely it's really amazing. It's just amazing. It's, it's also very rewarding because, you know, many people have worked on this project for many years. Mm. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it worked. Everything worked. <laughs> Yeah. How many scientists were involved in... More than 200. Okay. From more than 19 countries. Many people, really. It, this is not a single-person job. Yeah. Definitely not. I mean, we collected, like, six petabytes of data, and it's just impossible for a, one person to process all of this, right? So, uh, yeah, but my role, basically, the, the models that I compute were used to not just model the source and uh, provide sort of like a basic interpretation what this ring is, but uh, they were also used to calibrate the software that has been used to make this image. I have provided many sort of like a template images of M87, different images with different shapes and behavior, mock images uh, of the source that were used to verify how reliable these various imaging algorithms are. Because, you know, the software that we use to image the data is, you know, it always has some bugs. <laughs> so it is very important to test it on something that is known, right, to make sure that we are not making a mistake. So um, this, uh, this image, you know, a image, it's like the most carefully made yes. <laughs> image <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah. It's about how do you keep it quiet, though? Because if you got the, da the data in 2017 and then it goes to the imagery people in 2018... And we don't find out about it now. It's just so hard to keep the secret, <laughs> especially when the secret is so exciting, you yeah. know. 
So, of course, you know, we talk a lot about this, and there was a huge excitement within the collaboration, but this was, you know, we had to keep it inside. <laughs> so we had, we had some people to talk to, but, you know, yeah, I think this was incredibly exciting time this last year, but also very stressful because we were also afraid, you know, that so that the information doesn't leak out somewhere else <laughs> outside. Yeah. What did you think of the, the media and the social media reaction to it? It's incredible. I mean, we've been like, I mean, astronomy for one day was like on the cover of almost every newspaper yeah. on, in the world. This is just amazing. Yeah. It doesn't happen for astronomy very often, so we definitely made it. Yeah, yeah social media reaction, yeah, I also liked it. I also like all the, you know, memes and funny things and... Uh, yeah. What's the implication of the image that we've seen? Now the community can, you know, astronomical community can really start testing this, you know, different theories of gravity. In in our publications that came out together with this image, we have just tested standard theory of general relativity. But there are other these theories of gravity. You couldn't check them all because there's so many of them. Mm. But, you know, this is the first time where we provide data because this data uh, that comes with the image, you know, they are public now, they are available. People can grab them. And we also provide software that can sort of make a comparisons between models and data, meaningful comparisons. And, you know, people can now test all these different exotic <laughs> theories of gravity. But black holes are no longer just a theory. It's now reality. <laughs> Uh, this is really huge, huge step for for the entire astrophysics. And of course, you know, this is just the first image. It's a very static image. And next step is to make movies instead of static images that will, you know, tell us much more about the nature of, of this ring. Is it just circling around the hole? Or is it an inner edge, you know, of, of some accretion disk? that is falling, you know, like a waterfall into this black hole. People have been wondering about these things for more than 40 years now, how these things work, and now we can actually see it. <laughs> and that's uh, Monica um, Moskibrodska uh, talking uh, to Andrew earlier. She, said, she was so excited, yeah. wasn't she? You could hear the excitement in her voice. Totally. Me too. I mean, when I saw that, the first saw the image... My, it literally took my breath away, you know, yeah. literally. And um, I just, yeah, could, I imagine working on that for years and yes. then having to keep it secret. Yeah. And then uh, suddenly being able to talk about it, I think that, that really, cap well, what, listening to her there really captures the excitement yeah. of this, this discovery. It's been a long time, hasn't it? I mean, uh, I, I think, if I'm right in saying it was Einstein, wasn't it, who predicted uh, that black holes would exist. And then, of course, that, that whole thing has been refined quite a lot mm. by uh, other scientists. I, I mean, most notably people like Stephen Hawking mm -hmm. and uh, Kip Thorne and people like yeah. that who've sort of developed our understanding of, of, of black holes. But for a long, long time, they were theoretical things like, yeah, this could happen in the universe mm. and uh, probably yeah. there's, they're there because we're getting signals that are, you know, but 
Amazing. Yeah. Now we've just taken this step and said, yeah, there's one, and we can actually show it to you. It's very amazing. And they're, they're looking at the one at the centre of our galaxy as well. They've got the data from that at the moment. Yeah. Sagittarius A, I think. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, it, as they did have this data two years ago, they've got the data for that one as well. And I assume, assume at some point, once they've done all the checks and everything, yeah. we'll get that image as well. Do you, do you think there's probably a black hole at the centre of every galaxy i it, it really doesn't matter what i think but i suspect it there might well be yes <laughs> that's very modest of you. <laughs> but i was i was I, yeah no, i've spoken was... to quite a few uh, black hole researchers and that seems to be the general thought at the moment is yeah. that the suggestion is that, that there would be one at the center of every galaxy yeah so it might have something to do with how galaxies are formed yeah maybe yeah, maybe possibly and of course out in space just wandering around in space black holes not connected to any galaxies which is terrifying if you're a fan yeah. of star trek or anything and you want yeah. to see that future yeah unless of course they do provide portals to another part of space time yeah. in which case it's great i don't want to be near one ever no <laughs> no i did I, so i was talking to monica for a, a bit longer than that the rest of the conversation will be on the physics world stories podcast uh-huh. um, okay but one bit that might not be is that monica's quite a big fan of uh, science fiction and um, she, they all went, the, the researchers all went to see Interstellar a few years ago, you know. When yeah, the, uh, when yeah, indeed. And the, the, all the black hole researchers went, went to see that at a time when they hadn't seen a black hole. And um, so I asked her whether the, um, the the black hole in that, whether that was close to what uh, what we saw in in the the image, and she said yes, it is. It's very close. Uh, but but for the film, they actually turned one effect off. Um, so it's exactly it, what the, that film um, used a supercomputer to model what a uh, black hole would look like. But in order to make it beautiful for us um, in the film, they had to turn one effect off, which means that the effect is that uh, effectively that um, y- you wouldn't see the light as much as brightly as you do because of the black hole sucking the light in so they had to turn that effect off but apart from that the black hole in interstellar if you're thinking of doing anything tonight and you've got uh, access to interstellar and you want to watch yeah go and have a look at that amazing stuff yeah love it yeah the other thing she said can i just i'll just do yeah i do yeah the other thing she said um was i said so you know the movies that you're making of the black hole are you making them now? She said, I can't tell you that. Ah. I said, Are you, so if you were sitting on a secret and it was like a movie of a black hole that was going to show us what it actually looks like, the, yeah. the stuff, the creation disk moving around a black hole, would we expect to see that in the next couple of years? She said, I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there you go. So we don't know. <laughs> so we don't know. We can only surmise yes. from that response. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's let's move to a completely different subject for uh, a, a little bit in science news uh, this week. Um, this is a story. I can't remember where it was carried. Where was that story carried? It was BB- BBC. Oh, it's BBC. Um, is that... It's about viruses. It turns out 200,000 viruses uh, that fall into just five different types uh, have been found in the oceans. So the oceans are teeming with 200,000 different viruses. Um, One of the other weird things we've learned uh, about, we didn't realise there were so many, we've also learned that the Arctic Ocean is full of viruses, where you think perhaps they wouldn't go. It was expected that they would be found mostly... Uh, in the in the tropics, um, this is a story 
that comes really from research done at Ohio State University. They drew a global map of marine viruses based on seawater samples they'd got from nearly 80 sites around the world. And their viral tally is almost 12-fold higher than any previous estimates. And the big question is, why is this important? Um, well, things we don't know, do we, Lucy, what these viruses do? No, we don't know what we do, but we do know that the ocean is completely critical to all life on Earth. So, And we know that viruses um, can influence that greatly. So we don't know what each virus is doing, but... Learning more about that will tell us more about the the health of our oceans, and obviously that's a great thing for yeah. for biodiversity, as we were saying before, and also for you know fish stocks and things like that. I mean, they're not generally thought to be a particular threat to us directly. No, are they? and not necessarily. You know, it could be uh, so that not humans, but there are viruses that infect bacteria, for example. So yeah. the particularly like the viruses that they found in uh, in the Arctic. There's a lot of kind of extremophiles, so basically organisms that um sorry my headphones are just falling <laughs> off I'm just sorting that out <laughs> my tiny head is not keeping them wondering what, what is she doing yeah, yes, I just, I just, yeah. um but yeah the, the there are certain viruses that infect bacteria and there's some bacteria that live on the bottom of glaciers or yeah. ice caps and things like that so maybe the the viruses they found there have something to do with those sorts of bacteria um but yeah it's just just really cool there's a whole little world out there that we didn't even know about yeah absolutely Quite, quite extraordinary. Um, and uh, you're listening to uh, Love and uh, Science uh, 93.2 FM or bcfmradio.com. Uh, and you can go to uh, uh, bcfmradio.com and you can uh, listen to uh, any of our amazing shows here on BCFM, including uh, Love and Science. Just go to shows and pick the show that uh, you want uh, to listen to. Or you can listen to us also without the music on Podbean if you're busy and you don't want to be delayed love and science um, so one of the other stories we've got a, we've got a couple of uh, uh, astronomical stories coming up first one is straight out of science fiction uh, except it's not science fiction anymore it's science fact um, NASA FEMA so it's the uh, uh, American disaster response people. Several other international partners are going to participate in an asteroid impact exercise at the 2019 Planetary Defence Conference. It, it really is straight out of what, Deep Impact or uh, yeah, Armageddon, yeah. isn't it? All this kind of thing. This, uh, is, a, this yeah. is a really cool story. Yeah. I like this one. But yeah. Yeah, it, it, so basically, I, I can only assume they're going to be sat around on all their desks and then suddenly a big uh, like fire alarm is going to go off, a, a, a drill. <laughs> and then they kind of just practice all the yeah. all the uh, all the steps, I guess. And and um, yeah, it's a really interesting story. This, and as you say, it's quite out of science fiction, like Armageddon, Bruce Willis having to destroy the asteroid. <laughs> what, what's the basic? I mean, what's the what's the cunning plan that they that, that they're going to do? Is it actually sort of, an asteroid is hurtling? I'm, sorry, I'm not announcing this on the radio. <laughs> Imagine an asteroid is hurtling towards the Earth. Um, as in those science fiction movies that we've just mentioned, uh, Deep Impact and uh, Armageddon and so on. Uh, we don't have a Bruce. Why Why is it in that film they go for sort of um, firemen and uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what it was. That because Bruce, it's like a fire drill. That's Bruce why. Willis did, you know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so um, this, is, this is happening. Uh, what's, what's the drill? Well, I, I don't know really, but, um, but this... Uh, 
alarm or, or uh, call to action is only going to happen if there is an asteroid with a one in 100 chance of hitting the Earth. Which That's I'm not very asteroid. happy with, personally. Like, I'd like to know that if it was like a one in 102 chance, they'd still do something. Yeah, it's still, still pretty high. There's like horses <laughs> in races that have lower odds than that. That's true, that is true. Yeah, there's lots of winners that have, that have uh, longer odds than that, yeah. But, um, but uh, uh, as I say, if, if there's a one in 100 chance of the asteroid hitting the Earth, then that is the... Uh, big call to action, and and that's what these these people are, are, are practicing at the moment. Um, but as you say, I don't think I'd really be happy with one in one hundred. No, I mean that doesn't really satisfy. Considering it would literally obliterate the Earth if they didn't manage to stop it. One in one hundred is is pretty. You know, they're playing it a bit yeah. risky there. Again, and also, don't, yeah, what, don't, don't panic. Everyone. Yeah, it's not going to. Yeah, <laughs> this is all yes, hypothetical. This is not an announcement. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not going to be a one and one hundred and one. Yeah, no. but um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what a solution might be. I suppose <laughs> if it was uh, only going to glance us, I suppose you could probably strap some rockets to it and get it to. Uh, deflect its course, or you could well, blow it up, I guess. My, my favourite yeah. potential yeah. solution is that you go up and you paint one side of it. So you paint one side of it white, and then um, <coughs> it, it reflects more light, which nudges its orbit slightly off. Oh, it's that's really, really cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. So instead of like with the Bruce Willis thing, where yeah. you've got miners, or I don't know what they were, miners so or firemen. firemen, we just need decorators. Fire, firemen, we need decorators. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. A team of decorators, ladders. Don't mind like. Two hundred degree heat. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Train them really quickly. Send them up there. Fantastic. I mean, Bristol would be a good answer to that, right? Because we've got yeah. lots of people who paint the houses in Bristol. Yeah. It's a bit like painting an asteroid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, only you know more. You can imagine. Huge, imagine the team getting together, have huge arguments about whether it should be brilliant white <laughs> or a shade of magnolia. <laughs> that would be the thing. It's brilliant white because you've got yeah. to reflect more light. Oh right, brilliant yeah. white. So there's no arguments. No, about, there's no arguments about that. Yeah. And I guess the thing is, of course, that sooner you get to it, the easier it is to deflect it, because a, a very small deflection a long way away is going yeah. to make for a very big deviation. Absolutely, but the trouble um, is, the further away it is, the more in, um, the less certain you are about yes, its orbit, so you can actually gonna... nudge it the wrong way yes. towards us, which would yeah, be a shame. Yeah. So you've got to get it at the right time. Yeah. It sounds like something humans would do. Yes. Yes. I accidentally bring <laughs> it towards yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. I feel terribly embarrassed. I've just destroyed yeah. my own plan. <laughs> yeah. It did look nice when I painted it, though. So. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, look. Let's get, let's go to something else uh, astronomical, which is um, uh, apparently um, Earth is not the only place where uh, we uh, are able to measure earthquakes. It turns out that we've been doing that now. I mean, I guess many worlds have earthquakes. Apparently, we've been doing it on Mars. Except it's not an earthquake; it's a Marsquake. Quite. The Earth is the only place that has earthquakes. That's yeah. in the name, right? Absolutely. Yeah. There's the clue. Uh, but, you know, yeah, Mars Insight Lander, which is, has a seismometer. It's hard to say that. I couldn't yeah. say it either. I don't know why. <laughs> which is a thing that measures quakes on whichever planet you happen to be on, um, has, has picked up something which they think could well be. Uh, a, a Mars quake. Have you heard it, Josh? I have. It's very, it's it's very cool. It's it's really eerie, actually. Um, there's a little, there's a few seconds of just uh, Martian wind, um, and then there's a big grumble. It's probably too many onions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a there's a big grumble, which um, I'm not sure if they're 100% certain that it's a Mars quake. No. Or um, 
you got to hope that it is, because what else could yes. it be? Yeah, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, um, Mars doesn't have an awful lot of seismic activity. When, when you compare it to our planet, which has lots of uh, tectonic plates and lots of um, movements going on in the, in the, in the mantle and the, and the Earth's core... Um, Mars doesn't have an awful lot of that. A lot of the Mars quakes that that we're going to expect to hear um, come from uh, the cooling and expanding um, of the planet uh, through different through different times, mm-hmm. and so that's where the Mars quakes come from. Um, there's very little seismic activity, but the reason we're trying to get it and listen to it um, is to try and work out. Um, a bit more about the, the composition of the, of the planet, yeah, and to get a bit more information about uh, the materials and uh, the core of Mars and whether we can, uh, I don't know, discover water under the surface and, and lots of very interesting things. It's cool, yeah, it's it good. It's very cool, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, an Earth, well, a Mars quake could only be on Mars. And how do we talk about this and get the excitement across without saying earthquake? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a kind of earthquake except on Mars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a quiet planet, apparently. Uh, it doesn't have the Earth's powerful quakes, and uh, which are caused by shifting te- tectonic plates, uh, which all the continents sit on and move around very, very slowly. Um, but it, but it does, uh, doesn't even have uh, the seismic noises caused by winds and oceans, obviously, because we can clearly see there aren't oceans. I thought there were winds on Mars, though, because we, yeah. we do see storms, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Well, it does yeah. have an atmosphere. It's just not as thick as our atmosphere. Yeah, yeah so it's not as, they, they aren't as, presumably, not as, uh, not as powerful. Um, but uh, InSight, which is the, the probe which landed in, uh, on Mars uh, on November 2018, so, so just before uh, Christmas uh, last year, um, it, it, the, the data that it's already uh, gathered hopefully will reveal uh, the planet's internal structure, including the size and density of its crust, its mantle and its core, and uh, we'll find out how... Uh, heat flows through the planet and even where there might be water or the endless search for water uh, on Mars, whether there's going to be water in the interior. So lots of exciting things come from earthquakes. So th- this is, uh, sorry, Mars quakes. This is when a quake is a good thing, yeah. uh, when you're listening to it for evidence of something else. If you'd like to listen to the uh, to the, the sound, by the way, the, the, the video, yeah. Um, uh, is it on the, the NASA website, Andrew, I think it is? I would have thought so. Yeah. It's also yeah. on various other things, sciencenews.org. Yeah. Uh, you'll find it. And so we don't have permission to play it. We haven't acquired permission to play it, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to risk we, that. We can uh, pretend. But we can tell. Yeah, we can pretend. In fact, if you listen, if you listen very carefully to my stomach, it will yeah. provide a I like the robot arm the best at the end. It's just yeah. like... <laughs> That's a good impression, I like that. (laughs) Sounds a bit like dial-up internet. (laughs) Listen out for that. Um, Now, everybody, John Ford is in the studio. You may be wondering why we're giving John Ford a round of applause instead of the usual abuse (laughs) that we give it. And that's because this this is John Ford's uh, very uh, last appearance on Getting Bristol 
home really? on a I Monday. Really? they told me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Last show today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. we're going to miss you. I'm going to miss you as well. Yeah, we hope... We... <laughs> <laughs> if only you could see that face. His nose has grown about three inches already. I'll come back already. every now and again if you want. Do. In fact, yeah, I, came, I, I, I stepped in for... You did, for Andrew. Whoever, for Andrew. Yeah. You I, did. We did the show together. Can we it, do that again? What, can you sack that, off and I'll... <laughs> that would be great. We'll look forward to that. So, so, so it's uh, not goodbye, it's au revoir. Absolutely. As we Absolutely. say. So, John, for the last time in your present incarnation, what did yeah. we leave out of the show? Oh, loads. Now, here's one I think you'll uh, empathise with, Malcolm. Uh, this day in 1820, a bloke called Thomas, uh, Thomas Hancock. Ooh. Anyone know who he was? Mm. No? He patented something today uh, on this day, 1820. Something I know you love. Uh, rubber clothing. <laughs> well, to be more accurate, rubber to use in clothes. Damn, the secret the is out. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> My cover is blown. Oh. Yeah, because yeah, so he likes to do the washing up. That's yes, what that's we're it. Yes, yes. Happy birthday to Malcolm's rubber trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um, climate change in the news this day in 1998. Brazil. <laughs> we should leave it there, shall we? <laughs> I can't get that. And on that. Yes. On that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this day in 1998, Brazil agreed to set aside 25 million hectares, uh, 62 million acres of the Amazon rainforest for conservation. Did you know that? No. Well, with climate change these days, people ought to know. Very important. Yeah. yeah. Wonder. Wonder how well that they've stood up. Uh, whether they've continued that policy, it'd be interesting. I don't know. Um, I don't know, but it just uh, seemed uh, seemed very strange to me. Uh, this day in 1994, the discovery of a gene in a mammal, which was a mouse actually, that regulates the body's internal biological clock, was made. I saw this. Won the Nobel Prize that? Yeah, it did. It? But I saw something on the. I know this isn't about the body clock. Is it? I saw something um, on TV years ago where they'd done an experiment, put people in a cave for quite a long time, like several months. So there was no natural light. Yeah. And the temperature was the same. And their body clocks, when they slept and woke up, changed quite quickly to 25 hours. Oh, really? Yeah. So they, oh, they staggered their day as they went on, but they weren't aware of the time. Yeah. Outside, so that that was strange. I know that's not the biological clock, but uh, it is linked. But that was quite interesting. As an yeah. Experiment that yeah. That's why we need a weekend to recover after this <laughs> week's work. Absolutely. Yeah, all interesting oh, well, stuff. I've got it, a few it, more. I'll do those after four o'clock. All right, okay. Well, we, well, I, well, what I want to know is what you're going to do with all this uh, extra time that you've got. Um. It's, it's the same answer to what would you do if you won 36 million quid on the <laughs> rollover of the lottery? Whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, what am I going to do? Um, I don't know, actually. Uh, listen to you guys. Oh, yes. Oh, that, there's, there's, there's the best And then answer. after four o'clock, listen again. And who's, <laughs> and who's taking over from you? Uh, Tim Hinson. He'll be on the show a little later on with me. Uh, oh, right, today. In next week. And I will be briefing him exactly what to do. The most important thing is to come up with some science facts for you guys, if you want him to come in on Absolutely. Show. Of course. Of course. Uh, and uh, we'll try and mock him no less than we mock you. He's about six foot four. Yeah, oh, oh right, OK. That's an, that's an important consideration. Um, so uh, if you want to uh, uh, go to BCFM uh, Radio... 
facebook.com and find uh, the shows you can listen uh, to John uh, uh, because he'll still still be there uh, yeah. yeah I still hear on, on Wednesday with the old gits yes the old indeed. gits and hit show which is a must listen for everybody yeah. Every week, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, of we've course. got all sorts of listeners, people who it's wear rubber. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, prescri- it's prescribed listed. Well, John, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 uh, we'll catch up with you there. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us uh, uh, this week. And uh, have yourselves a very good evening. Uh, from Andrew, Lucy, Josh and me, uh, goodbye.